Like you go to a hostel, you have these really intense relationships formed in a short amount of time because you need to meet people quickly and you need to bond really quickly so you can go on adventures together. And so while you're traveling, like leaving a hostel for me is always, uh, it's such a melancholic experience. Um, and it's so sad to like leave these people that I know most likely I will never see again. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interviewed Duncan Graham about starting and running a hostel out of his house. So Duncan and a friend, are they started this business and they actually don't even own their house. They're renting a home here in San Francisco and through Airbnb turned their home into a hostel. So they now have multiple beds and multiple people basically living there all the time. And Duncan's going to go ahead and talk about how all that went down and what his life is like now that he has been kind of thrust into this role of running this hostel. So without further ado, here is Hostel Owner. Duncan, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Thank you so much for having me. Dude, so talk to us about starting a hostel. So I was living in DC. I moved to SF just for an adventure uh, a month into SF. Uh, I was up in Portland and I was staying in a hostel and one of the guests at the hostel said, Hey, come get coffee, uh, with one of my buddies. I think you guys would really get along. What do you mean by one of the guests at the hostel? You, the ones that I, the one I was staying at in Portland. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So you stayed at a hostel in Portland. In Portland. So was this something that you commonly do? Is this why it was kind of like, yeah, yeah. So what pretty much whenever I travel somewhere, uh, my first go to is to try to stay at a hostel. Why do you do that as opposed to a hotel Um, or when you're traveling alone? The hostel gives you an instant network. Um, usually you get a much more realistic view of what uh, a city feels like or what a neighborhood feels like. Um, they're also just as a social hub. You get uh, 20 to 40 people yeah. from all over the world yeah. crashing in the same spot. Usually they're young people that enjoy partying and uh, you're just going to meet interesting people and have crazy stories come out of it. Yeah, man, I wish I'd have had you when I was younger in my life to tell me that exact thing. I, it's funny. So last year I went all over Southeast Asia with my wife. Actually, that's actually where I proposed to her was when we were in Laos. Oh, cute. And, uh, and after I graduated college, I went like to 11 different countries in Europe with a friend. And while I was traveling around Europe, all I could think back to was all the times I had had like a teacher in college or read in like the college newspaper, like you should study abroad, like studying abroad is great, but nobody that I actually knew, like nobody who was influential to me in any way, like really pulled me aside and said, seriously, you should study abroad. Like I did it. And this is why you should do it. Like nobody. So they just said that you should do it. And there was no why behind it. And I wish so bad that like everything you just said makes so much sense and i wish i could go back in time like a decade or something and spend this whole last decade staying at hostels instead of hotels there's no reason you can't start now <laughs> there's no, we've got empty beds tonight yeah we have the raw resources to make a time machine we seriously come down and kick it whenever yeah for we're, sure we're in the same neighborhood yeah so, um, so anyway right, so, i'm up in portland uh and I'm, i grab a coffee with uh this guy zane and instantly just cracking up uh, it was a ton of fun. 
And we found out that we lived across the street from one another in San Francisco. Wow. Um, and so we started hanging out uh, back home. And about two months in, uh, I was essentially getting kicked out of my place and he was getting kicked out of his. And I said, well, you seem awesome. I don't really know anybody else in the city. Uh, do you want to try to find an apartment together? And I didn't know that he had some hookups in the real estate industry and he had friends uh, or he was friends with this uh, property management company and they had a spot open and he asked if we could have it. And they said, yeah, sure. We love you. And uh, he said, do you mind if we start a hostel in it? And they said, no, not at all. Uh, We can work that out. And he came to me and he said, do you want to start a hostel just for fun? And I said, of course I do. Like, uh, who would say no? That's great. So was Zane the same way as you? He had just stayed in a lot of hostels. and was No, like, he's never he's never really stayed in a hostel before. And just for whatever um, reason, he's like, this is going to be rad. Yeah, well, I mean, he met me because of a hostel. And uh, I think the main goal when we were going into this, uh, it was not to, to make any money. Um, the main goal, and still the main goal, is to have some sort of affordable rent. In San Francisco, which is already like a, yeah, a lofty goal. Easy. Um, and then the second goal was just to meet as many awesome people as possible. Um, and rather than throwing, it's a four bedroom place, rather than putting two private beds in each of the, the extra rooms, uh, we threw bunk beds. And we figured, yeah, we'll meet more people if we have eight people staying with us a night. Yeah. Just makes mathematical sense. Yeah. No um, and so, yeah, we moved in in January of this year. And uh, over the course of the month, we slowly put together um, enough to put the listings up on Airbnb and actually start getting getting a guest to stay with us. OK, so I was going to ask about the whole entire business and of the of the launch uh, of making this all happen. So you went through Airbnb. That's how this all worked out. Yeah. So we we looked at the options and uh, the way that would fulfill our goals the best and would give us the least amount of work we hoped uh, was just to do Airbnb because that gave us the platform to get in front of customers, um, to market ourselves. Like all this stuff was already bundled up with Airbnb. Totally. Within the first month, we had superhost status. We were the cheapest place in San Francisco. And what is superhost? Uh, if you maintain uh, a few metrics, then you get this title called superhost, and you get a ton of uh, benefits on top of just hosting. Wow. Like our listing shows up first. Um, it's it's all sorts of uh, kind of things that happen in the background. Wow, and you don't have to um, pay for that. You no, just no, 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 no. It's just that. as long as you're it kind of uh, exemplary, right? Then you, you're set because that behooves them to mm-hmm. put the exemplary people up first and show them to customers first. Yeah. So, uh, oh, but so the business <laughs> side of things, yeah, like um, we uh, looked at Airbnb and it just seemed like the most uh i don't know the easiest way to launch launch the thing yeah, and focus on focus on day. yeah focus on what we wanted to do which for me was making a really cool space yeah uh that would facilitate meeting all these incredible people yeah um how long was it before you had your first person book so you put it up on airbnb how many days after it's up does your first person um, stay with you 
So at the beginning, everything was instant book. So we didn't vet anybody. It was just instant book. All the pictures we were using were from uh, the real estate company's website. And right. so, so just it had the nice blue, clean version of the blue house. painter's tape, no furniture, just empty rooms. Like we still don't have pictures of the beds up because it draws an adventuresome sort of person. Yeah. Um, but so the first person uh, was probably within two days or three days of putting it up. What was that like? Like when you get your first email or you're just like, oh, shit, it's really happening. Yeah. I mean, for the first few months, every single time we got a notification was uh, just kind of a like a dopamine hit. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing something cool or serotonin, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but our first person was honestly a little bit stressful uh, because he was a lawyer at Airbnb. Wow. Um, and so we didn't, we didn't know no, if it was they your were, very first person. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't know if they were, uh, like trying to figure out what we were up to. And it turns out it was just a coincidence. Um, how is that even possible? Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of, uh, crazy coincidences like that, that have happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he stayed with us. And the first night we said, Hey, uh, we're throwing this party tomorrow night. It's the opening party. Uh, you're welcome to participate we'd love if you did participate since you're the only guest we have here right now even though we have eight bunk beds or whatever um and he said no i think i'll probably find somewhere else which was such a bummer for our first person to to kind of strike out like that yeah um but then the next day he said oh psych i'm gonna say this is gonna be great (laughs) and he was the life of the party it was so awesome and uh that pretty much set the tone moving forward. So you invited friends over and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It was it was. Uh, I'm picturing like just you and Zane with party hats on, like with little just party blowers. Lonely, yeah, just, just a mopping bunch of up tears. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, we actually. So Zane's a swing dancer, and so we got a swing dancing band, which are his friends, to play in our loft. And so, uh, no DJ, just upright bass, fiddle, violin. Yeah. Uh awesome vocalist and people just dancing and uh having a blast. That's so cool, man. It was really it was a a really surreal party. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's talk about post Airbnb lawyer. What types of guests you started to get? You said that, sure. you know, with the photos that you had up, you felt that that might invite a more adventuresome type of person. Is that what did kind of come true? Yeah. Um also the 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 copy that we wrote for uh the actual listings i think dictates the type of people we can get um or the type of people that that uh are interested and then the next level on that is once we started getting reviews the reviews pretty much uh crystallized what crystallized like what we were about and so now we pretty much get a certain type of person nice um for the most part it's uh mid 20s to like 40 years old uh, the oldest person I think was in his late sixties. Uh, youngest is eighteen, which is Airbnb's limit. Who was the um, late sixties guy? Like, what was uh, what was his story? He was one of our he was one of our early guests, and his name was Ofer, and he was from Israel, and he was just a crazy dude. Uh, he had been in the real estate business for a bit. Um, he had a family back in Israel, and he was trying to set up some sort of base of operations here. Um really nice guy. And he would insist on cooking us these pancakes that he'd make from scratch like two times a week. And so he'd, he'd send out these group text messages to everyone in the hostel, like pancake night tonight, everyone be home. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you had, you had to show up cause it was like 
your granddad saying yeah. like you got to be home for this and like, you this don't know if, if you don't show up if he's gonna like strangle you in the middle or of something night. yeah and so he made like just the tastiest pancakes were they like american this. pancakes or some sort of israeli pancake? i have no idea I, I said could you give me the recipe and he said i i don't know what i'm doing i'm just making it up yeah and uh they were incredibly uh incredibly delicious and he would do this sour cream like jelly spread as well and he'd throw herbs into it he just the dude was really good in the kitchen awesome. um and yeah, we found uh, a lot of the people that have stayed with us have had that same type of mentality uh, where they enjoy staying so much and that they're just kind of amped by the group of people that in some way or another, they decide uh, to they give help into, out. like they want to give back to the hostel or like kind of put their own touch onto their experience. Um, that is so awesome, man. Really cool. Which is exactly what we were going for at the very beginning. Um we really wanted a place where uh, the people that stayed with us, like we, we can provide the setting, um, but we wanted the people that stayed with us to be uh, kind of the best thing about the place. Have you ever had any other than Ofer? Uh, who's like the strangest person that you've ever had stay with you or any strange, bad experiences? Okay. Yeah. So there's like strange, good and strange, bad. Um, we've never had a bad person stay with us. Like at the very bottom of the scale, it's, uh, are you just saying that because they know where you live and they might hear this? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, we've never had a bad person. Um, like a person that actually makes me feel uncomfortable or something. Yeah. Um, the worst people we've had, uh, were like maybe a little socially awkward and dinner didn't interact as much. um, or were maybe negative, but like these, these are people that are like going through something in their lives. And so it's not like they're shitty people just totally. in general, the worst people we've had. Uh, and this is, again is nothing against them. It's just the type of people they are, are couples that would stay with us because they just want to have time by themselves. And if they're not at the hostel, then they're going to be out exploring the city. All great things. Just not what I am looking for. Yeah again, like the main goal was just to interact and meet as many cool people as possible. So if and I do come and stay there, don't bring my wife just come. Solo. No, no. Uh, you can bring her too. It's just, uh, <laughs> we're going to have to separate you into separate bunk beds. And like, <laughs> we got to pretend like hide our rings, pretend there like are, we don't know each there other. Have been, the thing is when, when we get a couple that decides to interact with us, which is such a low bar to hit, um, they end up being great. And, yeah. uh, some of our favorite people have been the couples that have stayed with us but it's just such a polarizing uh, situation where they're either incredible, you know, 10, 20% of the time, or they're ghosts for uh, the other 80% of people. Yeah, for sure. That's so interesting. Cause to your point about why you stay in hostels, I imagine that would be a reason that most people would stay in hostels is to have the interaction. So it's yeah. strange that you would stay in one and then not really interact. Yeah. And that's why uh, like throughout the process we've, uh, just continue to try to find ways that we can add more beds. Cause the more, uh, people that we can have every single night, um, the higher the chances are that things are going to be crazier or more awesome or just more interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, what is, uh, like, what would your ideal guest be? If you could like sum up what would make an awesome guest? Um, someone living in untraditional lifestyle, uh, and just a unending enthusiasm for 
life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that seems like that seems like the type of person yeah. I'd, I'd want to meet. They're like the same things that make a good friend or just an interesting person to meet at a bar. Yeah, or it exactly. Be. Yeah. Um, someone that uh, has good stories is always great. Like there's a lot of nights where, uh, you know, we'll share music and we'll just have a group playlist in the background and then we'll all just go around telling hilarious stories that have happened to us it's got to be so cool it's really do you awesome. feel that since you started this like your life has just become really enriched compared to the way it was before um yeah i mean uh it's like finding a new food group that you've never known about and so uh it's not like i was missing out before but having the new piece is uh like nothing's gone now that this is there it's yeah. just something new and it's great yeah Okay. I use this really weird analogy in my wedding vows, which I, <laughs> it's kind of weird. I uh, I made this analogy of of being like a hermit crab, like a really like young, naive hermit crab. And it's like this young, naive hermit crab is walking around in their life and they think that they're complete, but they don't have this shell on their back yet. They're just like wandering around. And then they get inside a shell and they're like, oh, yeah, like this, this is what it's supposed to be like. Like, this is what being complete is like. But it's not that they weren't complete before. It's just this extra awesome thing that they can have. Mm-hmm. So are you, were you the young, naive hermit crab and now you're this fully formed hermit crab? Um, I think saying that I'm fully formed now would probably be a naive <laughs> thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. I think That was deep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's the type of thing. Uh, I think I realized when I was maybe 10 years younger that uh pretty much every single time i've looked back two years in the past i think man what an idiot and so i'm sure i'll look back at least i'm a happy idiot right now um i'm sure i'll look back in two years and uh have some critiques on how i was living life at this time but uh the most part um the hostel's been nothing but an enriching experience yeah so let's talk about some of the um like I guess interesting situations that you can get into in the hostel. So I imagine uh, you're drinking with these people frequently. Uh, Among things, yeah, yeah. So do you uh, do you ever like end up meeting any of the girls and like hooking up with them? Like what happens with that? Um, basically, like, we don't throw rules on anything. Because oh, so, so like, by the way, I guess this is a question I didn't say out loud, sure. but I talked to you earlier, so I already know this. That yeah. you live at the hostel. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if that was totally clear for everyone, but you live yeah, in so a room at the hostel. So you, if you walk into the hostel and Zane has a room on the right, and I've got the room next to his, and then on the left are the bunk beds. Okay. Um, so if there's some like good there's a living girl room staying stuff. in your hostel, yeah. and you guys are all out for drinks that night, and she's just like. Duncan, you looking good tonight, man. What happens with that? Um, I mean, if you meet anybody at the bar and that happens, that's exactly what happens. Um, like because they're staying with us, like what I try to do when someone stays with me, um, no matter like where they're coming from or like what type of person they are is, uh, just treat them like I've known them forever. Um, which involves like trying to get to know them very quickly. Yeah. Figure out like what things they're into and then show them the best of those things in the city. Um, and so, uh, it's the type of thing where like, if I'm out with like a group and one of the girls is like, this really doesn't happen that often to be fair. Um, 
because we've had something like 500 plus people stay with us. This has happened maybe wow. once or twice. Yeah. Um, but if one of the girls is like awesome and uh, we continue to hang out over the course of the stay, uh, like, yeah, we'll go out for drinks, like go out for a date and like enjoy each other's company. Yeah. That's cool. Do, do, does she then end up staying in your room? And like, does she, like, does that create any sort of like tension between her and um, the other guests? Like, no, 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 no. Uh, the guests, I mean, we don't really get people that aren't very relaxed and just chill people. Uh, there's been a few times where um, like they've like there's been a few times where they've stayed in my room. And then there's been a few times where like they've stayed in my room and said, uh, you know, I, I paid for the bunk bed. <laughs> So I really kind of want to like get the value of paying for the bunk bed. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. You, can, you can do whatever you want. I'm like, fine. I guess I'm not very good at cuddling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, every now and then there's like Netflix and chill sessions. Yeah. So re- <laughs> that should be the new way of talking about hooking up. That yeah. should be the, you know, just uh, have I, some Netflix and chill sessions. You I, know? The cool, the coolest girl that came through, that was like, literally what i said like look i'm really tired right now i'm just gonna netflix and chill by myself in my room you're welcome to join and she was like of course i want to netflix and chill yeah totally until you're watching like a sports documentary she's like i'm not into this i thought we were gonna do other things i'm like no wait what is that a euphemism (laughs) yeah um so you mentioned the connection then like it like with these girls that you um like actually go out on a date and stuff like that it but so remove the girl aspect of it, just any person that comes in that you're trying to connect with really quickly. Yeah. What is that like to make a really, I mean, when you're living with somebody, you become close very quickly. So if somebody's staying at your place for a week, two weeks and they're super awesome and then they just leave, what is it like to have that happen over? Um, so this, this happens when you stay at hostels too. Like you go to a hostel, uh, when you're traveling and, uh, you have these really intense, uh, relationships formed in a short amount of time because you need to meet people quickly and you need to bond really quickly so you can go on adventures together. And so while you're traveling, like leaving a hostel for me is always, uh, it's such a melancholic experience. Um, and it's so sad to like leave these people that I know most likely I will never see again. Totally. Um, it also means that we had a great time. Yeah. Um, but now being the so person who runs there, a hostel, yeah. like, are you just melancholy all the time? <laughs> well, so it's, it really, it kind of fucks with my head a little bit, uh, because what happens is, um, we have people come through and I call people hall of famers. Like there are people that are hall of famers and they just are above and beyond what, uh, I could have ever expected. Um, and I'll tell them like, I'm going to miss you so much. Like when you leave, uh, it's been incredible getting to know you. Um, and then they say, yeah, that's got to suck. And I say at the same time, I'm going to have a totally new group of people in next week. And my memory is just not going to uh, handle like meeting an entirely new group of people, learning their stories. And so I'm able to be uh, not sad in any sort of bad way. Like it's a good sad. Um but I'm able to have that for really maybe a few hours before the next person moves in. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and we you get don't know so how many, cool the next we get so many be, good so. people that, uh, it's, uh, I've gotten really good at, uh, not living in anything, but what's happening right now. Yeah. Um, cause, uh, I've, 
I probably jump to the future more than I reminisce uh, about old people, like the other people we've had. Like I'll, I'll jump to the future if there's a group that is fun but doesn't have any Hall of Famers. I'll think, you know, sometime soon we'll get someone that's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, uh, you just got to stay in the moment uh, and enjoy the people that are with you right now. That's one thing. I've learned even just recently uh, is even if nobody really stands out from the current batch of people that we'll have in, everybody has interesting stories. Everybody is worth getting to know. Um, And so it's been a cool lesson for me just to work on uh, not going with a gut instinct and really trying to, to, have the same hall of fame experience with every single person that comes through. That's so awesome. It sounds like you get this very real tangible way to practice like theoretical life lessons and like theoretical philosophy. Like I always like try to, if someone like cuts me off in traffic or something, I'm always like, that person's probably late for an, uh, like a flight right now yeah, or yeah, like sure. whatever, you know, like try to make up an excuse for them as to why it is happening. Cause like, I mean, realistically it's 50 50 shot. There is something happening. Or like you said, if somebody comes in and they're not very talkative and they're quiet, you don't know that like, dude, maybe that girl's boyfriend like just broke up with her and that's why she doesn't want to talk. Like you have no idea what's going on in that person's life. And it's nice for you to, um, kind of get forced to remember those things on a, on a daily or weekly basis. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that this is reinforced, and this is get this gets a little bit uh, heady and complicated. My is, favorite, uh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> well, um, this is reinforced my idea that uh, I don't think we necessarily have free will. Um, I think we live in a, a set of systems so complex that it's really hard to. Uh, to hold them all in your, your mind in a moment. And, uh, like this guy that's cutting you off, he decided to get in the car at a certain time. Like there's so many factors that decided when he was going to be there to cut you off that he had no control over. And you had so many factors in your life that decided when you were going to be right in that moment that you had no control over. Right. And like with him cutting you off, he's now just affected. It's not the butterfly effect. It's just like everything that happens builds upon everything else that happens. And we can't like, we're all the, the lead actor in our own plays. Yeah. And we don't realize that uh, there's just, we can really control how we react to things. But other than that, we can't really even do that because we've been uh, brought up in a language and a culture and a society that pretty much dictates how you should do things. And so the amount of influences that we have to deal with constantly um, are just staggering. And the reason I think like this is because I've been put into a situation and given experiences and, bumped into other people that have led me to think like this. Yeah, like totally. this isn't super original, uh, just because, uh, it's just kind of me flowing through whatever's happening. Definitely. But yeah. It's very, it's very ego driven to assume that the reason that someone cut you off is because that has that really, that relates to you in some way or because someone acted rude to you at a restaurant that that's, reflects on you in any way yeah and if it doesn't reflect on you in any way then why are you getting so worked up about it yeah you know then just let it go and move on and um all right let's uh swing this back to the like the day-to-day sure of of working at the hostel so take us through a day what does a day look like 
And um, do you have any other employees at this point that are helping you guys out on a day-to-day basis or is it just you and Zane? We had, uh, we had one guy that stayed with us for two and a half months um, and he really just enjoyed the hostel experience um, and he wanted to draw it out for as long as he could. And so for a time we were given him uh, a discount and he would do all the laundry and cleaning. Um, but he has since left cause I mean, you can only live the hot, I mean, I guess we're proof that you can do it for longer than two and a half months, but he had to, to move on to like real life stuff. Yeah. Um, and so now it's just Zane and me. Um, Zane takes care of a lot of the digital stuff. So actually handling bookings, uh, responding to emails, et cetera. Um, he's also got the hookups with the property management company. And so he's working on a few expansion things. Um, and then my day to day is very much, uh, the typical maintenance that needs to happen and, uh, making sure guests, uh, have like the bare minimum, but usually taking guests out for food, drinks, like pointing them in the right direction, telling them what to go do. And yeah, so, so do you offer, I like, I know at a lot of like larger hostels, like they might like offer tours of some kind. Do you do tours throughout the city? Yeah. It's something we thought we were going to, I really wanted to do regular bar crawls and, uh, all sorts of set things like organized things on a calendar. Um, and instead what's kind of happened is, uh, I do all those things normally. Um, and rather than setting up anything organized, I just go about my own life and invite everybody constantly to whatever I'm doing, which is, uh, kind of been great because no matter where I go, I have like a huge crew to roll with. Totally. Um, it's so much fun. And I imagine that that's almost a little bit of a catalyst to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. The onus is on you. It's not like, Everybody, I'm going to go sit on the couch. Who wants to come with me? It's like <laughs> to be fair, okay. those are great nights too. The nights that we've just hung out on the couch are are just as good as the nights that we go out. Yeah. But yeah, there was like a night we went out to uh on Thursday nights, the Science Center uh is 21 and up and turns into like a club, has bars and stuff. Yeah, for anybody visiting San Francisco, if you happen to be here on a Thursday, that's like probably the number one thing you should do. It's awesome. Night. Um and I was in line waiting for the planetarium and these two locals were asking me what I did. And I said, Oh, I run a hostel and they're like, bullshit. Like, okay. I, I don't really feel like convincing you. And I don't, I don't know you well enough to like need to. Uh, and five minutes later, the group came up and it was an Australian a girl from <laughs> Germany, girl from Sweden and like a dude from uh, like Southeast Asia or something. And I was like, Oh, Hey, what's up? It's all my friends from all over the world. Cause I run a hostel. <laughs> Yeah, just backing you up. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and so it's not so... Things are so loosely um, kind of put together on a day-to-day basis. It's usually just whatever I'm up to. I've got a lot of friends that enjoy uh, kind of new experiences or just experiences in general. And so uh, I drag people along to whatever I'm going to. Like yesterday... uh, I was going rock climbing and I needed to get some food before rock climbing. And these two British girls had just showed up and I said, Oh, come to me to come with me to Southern Pacific, which is this awesome brewery that's in a old railway station. Um, and yeah, just showed them like one of the cooler, yeah. One of the cooler, uh, like San Francisco, like mission spots. Uh, it was awesome. It's, 
My wife and I, like, every time we go out, we're just like, God, like, everything is just so hip. Like, everything's yeah. so hip all the time. It like, is. Oh, it's just a brewery and an old, you know, railway station. No big deal. Um, it's like the Mission District, though, too. Like, Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so talk to us about what else you do. Um, is this your only source of income? Or do sure. You have um, other stuff? I, so we started this when we both had full-time jobs. Uh, I quit mine in May and Zane is, this is Zane's last week coming up. So next Friday, he won't have a full-time job either. Um, and when I quit, the hostel doesn't make enough money for us to live on. Um, it pays for our rent, which is incredible in San Francisco. But other than that, like we do need some way to make like grocery money. Um, and so I, uh, my background's in architecture and then I essentially fibbed slash learned my way into software development and design. Um, and by the time I quit my old job, I had enough of a network where I got this incredible contract to work for a fashion startup in New York city. And I just lived out here and would work on my own time, run the hostel and then, uh, help this fashion startup with whatever they were working on. Um, awesome. So you remotely get to do it related stuff. So since you started the hostel, do you feel like you have more freedom than before or less? Like you, you have this secondary source of income just kind of always coming in, which has got to be nice. But you're so limited. I don't know. I feel like your your freedom would be a little bit limited. Yeah, sure. Uh, and it is. It's funny because, um, uh, like, I can put my room up uh, as an open listing, and if someone books it, that buys my plane ticket to wherever I'm going. But it also means that Zane's running the hostel by himself. And uh, if there's ever times where Zane and I both go somewhere, it's like what what happens and so like a few times we've kind of uh we've kind of let the hostel people run the hostel wow like we talked to him we said hey we're going away next weekend we have friends that would come in and manage it um but we want to like clear it with you and see what you guys want and uh there was one time where they said no 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 we'll we'll take care of it um like it would be our pleasure to just hang out here um, which is really cool. A lot, a lot of times we'll have friends in the city um, that all know what we're doing and they all kind of wish they were doing it too. It's like, it's like owning a dog. Uh, having a dog is one of the best things ever. Um, being friends with someone that owns a dog is uh, great because every now and then you can take care of the dog on a weekend, but you can always give the dog back to the person that actually owns it. Totally. And that's kind of what we are right now where, uh, we're pretty limited in, in our freedom to travel. We get a lot more other types of freedoms. Um, yeah, just day to day. Yeah. It sounds like. So let's talk about some of the, the less sexy aspects then, because sure. otherwise I, I think this does sound super awesome. So let's maybe try to steer some people away that are like on Airbnb yeah. right now, <laughs> taking photos of rooms in their house. Like a, who would, who would not be a good person to do this? And just any other kind of like, things to think about that make this not quite as great as it seems. Cause so far it seems pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, if, uh, it's funny when I started this, I, I was not a tidy person, but, uh, 
through doing this, I've become a very tidy person. If you're not okay with spending 15 to 30 minutes a day, up to 45 minutes a day, just tidying up, um, this isn't for you. Like you need to maintain some sort of cleanliness, um, or else the whole thing goes, uh, to hell in a handbasket. Um, if you're not an extrovert, probably not, probably not the best business to, or project to try to start. Um, and if you're not an extrovert with a ton of energy, also probably not the best thing to try to get into unless you're doing it in a different way. Like there's so many ways you could execute on this too. Um, we did it in a way that matched our personalities. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it too is not so much, uh, the hostel itself, but how you manage your own relationship with the hostel. Like for me, I've hit maybe two or three moments where, uh, I was just burning out. I couldn't handle, uh, the amount of interaction that was happening every day. Um, this is when we had, uh, no minimum night set. And so we could easily have on a, a given week, uh, seven different groups of eight different people. Um, and that's crazy. Yeah. It's insane to have like 56 people roll through your spot in a week. Yeah. Um, what's your minimum now? Minimum for a few of the listings. So we're, we're playing around and trying to figure out, uh, the types of people that come and how booked we can get with different minimums. And so I think we're playing with at the very, at the minimum, our minimum is two nights, uh, which is usually what people want to do anyway. Um, but then we've got two last minute places where if you just don't have a place to stay, you can crash in like we have a bed in the loft, so it's not even a separate room. But if you need a spot, we've got you set up. Nice. And then there's two bunk beds that we're playing with a four day minimum. Okay. Cause I'd love to, the two days. Okay. But you really don't get to know people until three to four days. Yeah. Um, it just takes, uh, that amount of time of spend, like spent together, uh, yeah. to, to kind of get through, the basics like what do you like where are you coming from like blah 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 all the the niceties and you can get into like the really fun stuff yeah so you're trying to see how much bumping it up to four days would i guess impact your bookings and stuff like that yeah and we're doing a few uh we're doing a few creative things with that too so if we've got a minimum of four days um then what will eventually end up happening is uh if there's a four-day block and then two days later there's another four-day block that two-day gap won't be able to be booked because the minimums four days. Hmm. Uh, and so what we're starting to do now is we've created ghost listings where the ghost listing has like a two day minimum or a one day minimum. And so for all the open spots that we have in these bigger blocked off places, we're, uh, creating extra beds that just, uh, denote those, uh, kind of openings so everything can just be totally full yeah all the exactly time. and so then there's also things like let's say we have two four-day listing spots and uh they have uh two-day blocks next to each other that are open then we can have another four-day spot on this ghost listing okay and so there's all sorts of uh creative ways that you can get to 100 percent occupancy 100 percent of the time so where are you guys at now this place has been open for about seven months now or so mm-hmm. yeah since february and- how how successful are we talking like are are you guys booked all the time within 
the first, so the first few weeks we had, um, no reviews, nothing, uh, really to get us, uh, any sort of draw. And within the first like two or three weeks, we went from, I think 50% booked to being a hundred percent booked all the time. And within another few weeks or a month, uh, it was a hundred percent booked two months out. Wow. Yeah. So at this point, like, uh, if we try to change anything about a room, we have to make the change now. And so if we made a change now, uh, we'd expect it, uh, we'd expect to be able to do, uh, something along the lines of that change in January at this point. That's it's incredible. October. Yeah. That's so crazy. I can't believe that it would happen so quickly. Or December, is your, I suppose. Is your pricing just like crazy <laughs> low compared to anything Yeah. Else? So it's 45 bucks a night for a bed, okay. which in San Francisco, like a hotel room could be like 300 to 400 bucks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cheap. Yeah. All right. So why don't we kind of leave off with some tips for people sure. that would be, um, considering maybe trying to do this themselves wherever yeah. they live. So what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in these past seven or eight months? Obviously you already mentioned, uh, maybe don't do it. it maybe try to make a minimum of two nights or something like mm-hmm. that. So what other sorts of tidbits can you give us? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of these are pretty general purpose with whatever type of project you're looking to get into. Um, for us, uh, we tailored it to the types of personalities we were, um, like we weren't trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Um, we, uh, tailored it to the market that we were in. So like understanding kind of the system in which your project is going to live. Uh, so when we set out, we said, let's make a cheap place in a spendy city, uh, that you can book last minute in a place where you can normally uh, not get anything last minute and you'll have to do it months in advance. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what we're also working right now to reduce that two month booking and release spots, uh, as the weeks go on. So basically try to differentiate yourself in some way from the other things that, which yeah, it seems like, uh, like common sense, I guess. Um, well, no, but that's, that's great. Otherwise, you know, people might just put the rooms up for 200 bucks. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, have goals as to what you want to get out of it. But uh, in the end, we went into this thing um, with no expectations. It was really, uh, and we we had kind of a contingency plan. We said, okay, if this doesn't work within two months, if we aren't able to bring our rent down to like a grand each, um, then we'll get two extra roommates and we'll just say bunk beds are a sunk cost. Like it was a good try. Um, and it's cool because that, that, uh, mindset has kind of carried over into the entire way we run things where we'll try something out and we just say give it two weeks if it doesn't work like we gave it a try yeah um and so i think like with a lot of projects uh you can put so much of yourself into them and to see them go poorly is to see uh like a reflection of yourself going poorly totally um and you really just got to let it go and, and, uh, let what happens happens and roll with, roll with things. Yeah, no doubt, dude. Amen. Yeah. Like you said, all those are good advice for just life in general. Any, any sort of the- project. Yeah. So that's what, uh, I don't know. That's, that's kind of the bigger takeaways that I've come out of. Yeah. That's great. Why don't you tell people where they can find you? Sure. If people are coming to San Francisco, your place is freaking awesome. Yeah, I just yeah. got to go there yesterday and check it out. It's great. So where, where are you at? Um, so if you Google Treat Street Clubhouse, T-R-E-A-T Street Clubhouse on uh, on the Google, 
Uh, it's, I think, the first five listings that come up. Um, and then we just named the parent company yesterday. Uh, so it'll be underneath the name Mischief Hostels. Um, and we'll start expanding into other cities soon, hopefully. So it won't just be San Francisco that you can have this type of experience. Uh, it'll be hopefully nationwide or international by you know next year. That's awesome, man. So yeah, go stay with Duncan and Treat, Treat Street Clubhouse. Um, if you end up doing that, let Duncan know that you heard about it on the show. Duncan will yeah. give me a call. I'll come down and we can all grab a drink together. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be great. Blake only lives uh, like 15 minutes away. Uh, so yeah, we'll all kick it. All right. Awesome. Duncan, thanks so much, man. Dude, thank you.